This is No BS Job Search Advice Radio, episode 2027. I'm your host, Jeff Alcom, the Big Game Hunter, and welcome. I started to be called the Big Game Hunter when I did recruiting. I used to hunt down leaders and staff for organizations, did it for more than 40 years, was very successful at it, filling a dumpster full of positions and consulting assignments, maybe two dumpsters. And in addition, now as a coach, I help people play big. I don't do recruiting. I help you play big and land fast. Now, today's show is a longer interview that I did with Matt Orzel, who is going to talk about putting your resume together. I don't do a lot of resume shows very often, my own or anyone else's, but I liked what Matt had to say, and here we are. Hope you find it helpful and give it a great review, and we'll be back in just one moment. Have you been struggling on your interviews? Are you not getting the results that you want? My course, my book, my Kindle book, The Ultimate Job Interview Framework, will help you dramatically improve your performance. Now, if you'd like the course, it's a video course that I offer through Udemy. You can order it at TheBigGameHunter.us or as a paperback or Kindle book on Amazon. What the course will teach you is really very simple. The best question to ask on an interview and when to ask it. How to answer the question, tell me about yourself, far better than anyone else would ever answer it. In addition, you'll be able to tell stories that connect the dots with the interviewer about how your background fits the role and be able to ask questions that are going to allow you not to step into the minefield that you've been in too many times before in your job search and in your career. So again, it's called the Ultimate Job Interview Framework. It's available on Udemy. That's U-D-E-M-Y dot com. Uh, or you could go to my course directly at TheBigGameHunter.us forward slash interviews. Again, available inexpensively as a course or as a paperback or Kindle book on Amazon. Now let's get back to the show. As those of you who know me for a while know, from time to time I bring on an expert about some element of job search because I know you get tired of listening to my voice all the time. And today I have Matt Morzell on, uh, who is, excuse me if I read this, but he's a CPRW, which is a certified professional resume writer career coach, and outplacement expert with more than 15 years in HR and experience with career advancement techniques, working with recruitment and staffing teams across a variety of industries. And what he does is create resumes that allow employers to see a person's assets while highlighting his or her accomplishments. Matt! Matt! Welcome! Hello. Hello! Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. What is that? Where, where, where are you right now on Zoom? What's behind you? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I didn't want to pitch the Masters 12 Golden Bell here. I had no intentions of pitching it, even though we didn't get a chance to see it live this year. In the spring, we'll see it in the fall. It'll be just as good. And when I hear about pitching, I think of growing up in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Indians, Indians, Cleveland. <laughs> no, 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 no. I have a friend whose dad pitched for the Indians, but that's a different conversation. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so back to the topic. Yeah. So, you know, here we are. We're recording this during 
the global pandemic. And, you know, resumes are hard enough for most people to write, let alone during complicated times like what we're going through now. What goes into a great resume, in your opinion? Glad you asked. I would say, um, without getting too, too detail-oriented, a few quick things. First, it's got to look good. Right? you got to have something aesthetically pleasing. That way, hire managers aren't looking at it going, I don't know where one thing starts and where one thing ends. I can't tell a, a, a succinct work history, yada, yada. So make sure it looks good. Professional works better than a lot of the infographic kind of creative resumes in the long run. If you are someone who's maybe in graphic design, feel free to be a little bit more playful. But if you are more along the lines of a business professional or scientific, academia, even CVs, keep them black and white, keep them professional, maybe add some bold, some italicized words to kind of switch it up, but that's about it. Don't do any bells and whistles like borders and boxes and things. That can bog down the applicant tracking systems. As, as cool as they might look, um, it can become a headache for the recruiters. Um, now, I'm gonna interrupt you for a second because you said something was interesting. You know, you talked about creative fields and having using infographic resumes and other more creative approaches. What's the problem with that for other people, for civilians using that? Well, and the biggest the biggest roadblock is those applicant tracking systems. I remember as a recruiter when I'm taking content from a resume, and let's say it's you know, it's somebody who's got a lot of the uh, text on the left-hand side going down in boxes on the right-hand side might have a formula of experience section and then you got some more page breaks and then there's an education in the bottom right and up here is a content. It's fine if, if it looks cool, but when I'm taking this and I'm a recruiter that has a thousand of these things to get through this week and I'm trying to get you into my applicant tracking system where I'm going to monitor you as a candidate, maybe look for you in the future as a viable candidate, when I go to take that information and put it into the system, it's going to get jumbled because now your contact information might have an email above your experience and then your phone's down here. And it makes for a mishmash of annoyance. And sometimes I know from personal experience, if I wasn't able to take these credentials and, and get them into my system, load them in quick enough, if I'm struggling, if the candidate is a so-so candidate already, now I'm just not dealing with them. So now they're on, now they're on the floor and they'll never be in my system. It, it's, it's a hard rule that, you gotta you gotta play the game and play it correctly so recruiters aren't racking their brains trying to see if you're a valid candidate. The last thing they want to do is get bogged down when they're in a flow. Exactly right. And I, I agree with you about this. <clears throat> and folks, I'll just simply say, recruiters got a tough job. And I know you hate them. That's a given. But you don't want to be that annoyance who they now have to word process lots of content from your resume in because you're taking time away from them helping you and all the other yous out there that are trying to find work and want them to help find work. You're turning them into a word processor. That's not what you want them to be doing. You want them to be out there finding something or filling something for their client, hopefully with you. Right. So make it easy. And it's interesting, you know, as you were talking, it almost sounds like our habit is to think in terms of the paper resume. Right. But, exactly. but we don't work with paper resumes very often anymore, no. do we? No. That's exactly where my head went when you just said that explanation, is that we, it's the same thing goes with the old adage, you got to have one page. Well, let's see, you're a 30-year operations manager. That's worked 20 of those years at a production facility. And 10 before that in the military, and you're trying to go for a federal job, 
you're telling me that military experience should be left off now because it can go into two pages? No, we scroll now. All we do is scroll. So you can have a little bit longer of material. Don't bore the people either. Keep it punctual and keep it, uh, you know, exciting, if you will. Um, but no one's going door to door with a paper resume and a suitcase going, can I see the hiring manager? You're called creepy now. That's not the 70s. You know, there are telecommunicative communicative powers that be that allow us to call, email, do this, stop Zoom. I mean, it's insane. It's everything you could possibly do other than beam me up, Scotty. So let's play the game. Recruiters expect you to A, follow the rules and go through the applicant tracking system and upload your stuff and apply through the portal. And then B, if you have a way to network your way, now you now you have a double edge kind of way to get in somewhere. So play the game accordingly. Don't be cute and, and, and try to you know make this piece of paper that is not going to get printed ever anywhere um, be the reason why you have a template that you're using. Think in terms of it's online. It, it will be fine if they scroll. <laughs> and number one, you want to be found by someone in the there future. You there you go. Number two is you don't want to be a distraction to them because mm -hmm. for those of you who are in non-creative fields, you wind up in a situation where the design is going to get in the way of what you want them to accomplish. And often the systems that you're applying for jobs through, and by the way, folks, never, ever apply for a job through an applicant tracking system. But if you want to go ahead and do it, I'm not going to drive to your home and stop you. It's not the preferred way of doing it. Eventually, a hiring manager will tell you, could you upload the resume so this way we can follow you in our system? I'm a believer in you do the back door wherever right. you can so that this way you cut the line. No one wants to stand on a long line, right? So we want to be in there getting our stuff in front of the people who really make the decision, not the techn technical filters that are referred to as the black hole. <laughs> exactly. which resumes go in and never come out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, recruiters, they live more in that world. The HR manager or the hire managers, they are more uh, with getting something via email, getting someone from who they know, shuffling someone, something their way versus them going into these systems because the recruiters usually live in there. So the hire managers, they're excited to get a candidate. If they get someone from a networking group that's, Here's a resume of this uh, welder that you need. Really good union welder. And the hiring manager's like, he gets excited. Here's a union welder I got for the spot I'm trying to find. Now I'm going to kick this over to my recruiter and tell him, put this in the ATS, set an African tracking system, and set up the interview. So these hiring managers, they're chomping at the bit to get a, a referral so they can move on to their projects and not be stopped at the end of the day at 445 every day looking at resumes. That's the last thing they want to do. I've been in the room with these people and they are already annoyed by the productivity numbers of the day they've been dealing with. They don't want to be dealing with 10 resumes and who the heck they're going to bring in and got to train them again. So recruiters are there to help kind of ease that burden for the hiring managers and, and be a resource to find good candidates. So be on the, be on the good side of everyone involved, but you're right. It's who, you know, is it's never going to not be. It's always a tried and true test backdoor, figure out someone. Right. And, and when you write resumes, folks, I know you don't know how to write a resume because I've read thousands, hundreds of thousands. What am I talking about? You know, we were able to quantify over three quarters of a million resumes I've reviewed 
And I know there are a lot more than that. That's as many as we were able to quantify. So I know how bad most of your resumes are. So I'm just going to point out to you, it's probably not a good idea if you write it or have your brother-in-law write it. <laughs> and I'm not doing this as a commercial for Matt. And Lord knows most of you know, I don't write resumes. I critique them. I don't write them. But it's going to be hire someone to do it for you so it doesn't look like the garbage I tend to see most of the time. Absolutely. So, so um, what goes into the resume in general? What, what should these people have available? Their name, of course. <laughs> name. Uh, don't need your full address anymore. It's a little, uh, you know, privacy issues these days. And that goes with references. Please take references off your resume. Um, with privacy issues online and stuff, less is more with contact. So email, phone. If you want to do city, state, that's fine. If you have Zip code two. Zip code two. If, yeah, if you have a preferred location. Now, if you're in Michigan and you want to live in California and you absolutely are not living in Michigan, and you're, you're on the move out, you're just trying to find out, then get rid of the city and state. Or you can put in relocating to Los Angeles, California at the top. Um, and then I always like LinkedIn. I like it because um, it's an online portfolio of yourself and it's somewhere that they can access a digital version if they don't have a PDF or Word attached. So it's good and that's going, you know, piggybacking off of that. I like to emulate my LinkedIn profiles with my resumes. Um, I think it's not a great idea when a hire manager looks at someone from LinkedIn and says, I like this person and the recruiter goes, well, we had them here last week and you didn't like them. Why are these two, why does this one person have two different stories? Um, I will be back in just one moment. Today's show is brought to you by Skillshare.com. At Skillshare.com, they have thousands of classes available not just simply about business or job hunting, but lots of different classes on a host of different subjects, almost anything you can think of, and they have one low price associated with your learning. They have classes about particular technologies you can learn, pottery, public speaking. I have a half dozen of my classes about job hunting there, writing, photography, film, almost anything you can think of, they have Skillshare classes available. Now, if you use my link, TheBigGameHunter.us forward slash Skillshare, they'll offer a free trial and 30% off if you decide to join. There's a lot to learn, and Skillshare is a place where you can learn it. Now, let's get back to today's show. So I kind of like the idea of keeping your LinkedIn professional emulated off the resume and let your cover letter be a little bit more of the personality side of things. Um, so with that, contact info. Um, and then um, below the contact, I like a summary still. Uh, I like a three-statement type summary, three sentences, one telling them what you are, how many years experience, and what are the main kind of two, three things that you focus on. So if you're an operations leader with 10 years of experience in the, let's say, you know, manufacturing space, because, you know, you want to emphasize your industry, maybe you still want to stick around in there. Um, with, with 10 years experience manufacturing, focusing on what do you do as manufacturer, uh, as a, a operations manager, you're, you're, you're leading teams, processes, uh, projects, facilities, you know, whatever. And then the next sentence can be, a nice little wow type of thing that you can say that shows how easy you can slip into this new role. And then the final thing is similar to an objective, although we don't say the word objective, but I still like saying, hey, solutions oriented, team builder, seeking to leverage background into an operations leadership role within the manufacturing industry, period. Now they're saying this person knows what the heck they want to do and they 
aren't going to uh, waste their, your time, the hiring manager, by not knowing what the heck they want to do or how they're not going to fit into this and offer value to the hiring manager while resolving those pain points as to why they have the darn thing open. Do you have an idea of um, when applicant tracking systems are evaluating resumes these days, how far down the resume page one they're thinking in terms of deep expertise? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's well, and, and it's interesting. I mean, I personally am not on the forefront of understanding all the updates that go into some of these ATSs. I'll be the first to admit that um, some of these keyword percentage trackers and those types of things you see online. Um, I think it could be a, I, I think there can be a bit discrepancy sometimes from some of those. Sometimes they're just a way to them saying, hey, you need a new resume. Come visit us. We'll redo it for you. Here's why. Here's all these percentages of not matching and this, that, and the other thing. Um, again, goes back to finding someone you know and being able to leverage that network and that relationship to be able to send them your resume and say, here's why I'm a fit, regardless of maybe the ATS is scoring you low because of, of certain words missing or what have you. Let's not overwhelm the listeners. Your best bet is to, if you want to match with words, look at the job description, find some words that are missing, try to sprinkle those into your resume. So that way you might have a little bit of advantage with these percentage things. But in the long run, a recruiter, I know as personal experience, I'm going right for the resume. I'm going right for the experience. What have you been doing? Can you slide into this role? I'm not worried about if the word MS Office Suite ain't listed on the resume because of my tracking system. It's still a human to human thing that's gonna hire you. And they, they know what they're looking for. So don't get too bogged down by some of those online percentage things, those ranking things. There's, I wish I had a better answer as far as some of, this, some of these ATSs that you know, will let you know what they've updated and how they're functioning. But I just, I, I don't have a firm grasp on some of that. I tend to think of the first three quarters of page one being the most important part of the document. Yep. Yep. So that in this way, the system sees it early. So it, that part of the resume needs to be keyword rich, Absolutely. related to the role. I, I want to be clear about related to the role, because otherwise, if it's sprinkled in on the bottom of page two, that looks like older experience to the system, and they devalue it. Even a human looking at it sees it four jobs back on the bottom of page two or the top of page three. Ooh, try and keep it the two pages where you can, folks, but I know certain types of resumes have to go longer. But still, try and get the keywords early related to the individual role. Exactly. So, because Customizing. Bingo. Because when systems, when people are looking at your resume. What they're looking for is to fill a job with the experience that they need. And thus, you want to zero in on the things that matter to them, not just everything. Exactly, yeah, Jack and Jill's of all trades are, that, that idea is gone. I mean, that's, that's well dated at this point. You want to be someone who's niche, know what you're going to do and how you're going to function in this world, uh, you know, this new company. And again, like you said, if, the, uh, this is what I preach to my to my clients is that it's about the value added, not not so much, and obviously not the tasks. We're way beyond that. We're more into these accomplishment type things, these pars. You know, here's a problem, here's an action, here, here's a result, and this kind of speaks to how you want to set up your experience uh, sentences. But um, so take this accomplishment. 
um, that you might think, okay, I'm someone who doesn't have much metrics attached to my job. Yeah, but you're still cutting a cost. You're still saving money somewhere. You're still improving a process somewhere. And these are what I call business quantifiers. If you can take your sentence and turn it from a task base into an accomplishment, and then moreover, turn it into a value of something that's tangible, it's gonna be more impactful as a statement rather than saying, took care of scheduling and communications for the office. No, no, no. I mean, there's some important stuff that goes into that and try to figure out what those important business quantifiers are. So then that way each of your sentences is set up more towards value idea, value added idea, and and and, and, and even better of an accomplishment. And what I think, just using the example that you just did, I think, for example, on that ran the office example and did so at uh, 22% improvement over my predecessor in the role. Yep, I like that. <laughs> so, so it's money saved, money earned, yeah. you know, a, a metric of some sort, yep. and it can be a comparison between you and another individual, or the mean for the function, like call centers is the classic on this. Yeah. You know, handle 12% more calls than the medium, uh, medium, uh, the midpoint for call center operators in my organization. Yep. Yep. It, it puts you in the higher percentile so that they can go, ooh, ah, <laughs> ooh. Exactly. No, exactly right. The customer satisfaction. And that's even, even uh, you can compare uh, to a former employer or you can even do year over year. I've seen year over years for sales folks too. You know, hey, drove revenue an extra 500,000 over last year. So, these are things you can be thinking, and, and you don't need to get extremely detail-oriented. Some of my merchandising people, God bless them, um, they, I mean, they'll give me shrink percentage that are 0.76, you know, let's just, just, you know, just be, bear in mind your audience. They're quick, they're trying to make moves, sprinkling some, uh, value, uh, some, some data that really shows some numbers, because as, as visual people, humans, we see numbers on a resume, we're like, oh, good, they're thinking bottom line. This is what I like, because, as an employer in the 21st century, I'm worried about my bottom line. I'm not worried about, <laughs> I just, I don't want to be blunt about it, but I'm not worried about you as a person right now. I'm worried about my bottom line. Are you going to save me money or cost me money? Now the human culture and that, that kind of aspect plays into it. Don't get me wrong. There's some companies that still want to emphasize that. And I think that's important. Um, but a lot of times uh, most companies are looking at you as, okay, you know, cost or say, are you costing me money or are you going to earn me money? Let's, let's get down to this and brass tacks. So. And I'm trying to hire a square peg. Is this person a square peg? No, round hole. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. They're out the door. Exactly. And, and I always think in terms of, you know, when you're communicating with an organization, what's the message that you're trying to send to them? What right. are you trying to get across to them? And one thing is always real clear to me is you want to be the person that looks like it's a no-brainer to interview this person. It, right. Yeah, there's no effort that goes into it. And, you know, there's the classic statistic we've all seen. How long does someone look at, at a resume before making a, uh, a delete decision? Six yeah. seconds? And I used to do it in four. Yeah. <laughs> Just took it four seconds was, was trying to get to the experience section. <laughs> do a quick scam, not seeing the words. What do you been doing? Yeah, Goodbye. unless there's unless there's a pre-filter where okay, it requires a master's. 
and you have a bachelor's. Recruiters will do that because it's, it's if they have no way of negotiating this with the hiring manager, um, because maybe insurance purposes or whatever, they'll still look at you and say, okay, he's got a bachelor's, move on, or she's got a bachelor's, move on, because it requires a master's. Those types of things, I think, will, will streamline their process of filtering. But most of the time, don't feel like you as a candidate aren't a good candidate because maybe um, it says bachelor's required. Maybe it says bachelor's preferred or relatable experience. So find those little nuances of where they're able to negotiate with the hiring manager because recruiters, we want to get the filled position quick. So anytime we can wiggle our way into finding a better or even you know more candidates that could be fit, it will work. So the good recruiters will find a person that's a professional and look at their succession possibilities and make and, and actually somewhat navigate them into a role that they might not even know they were a good fit for. So find yourself a good recruiter that'll work for free because we should be working for free. We should be billing the clients, not or billing the companies, not, not the candidates, uh, the clients. But, um, and then, um, you know, have them try to lean on them a little bit for what kind of work could you do. And, and I love that you're reminding people about who will work for free. Now, folks, I thus remind you of who recruiters work for. And they work for an employer because those are the ones that pay them. Exactly. <laughs> they write the check. And thus, you know, I remind folks of that because there's a tendency to use phrases like my recruiter as though this person works for them. And I know on some level you know this, but there's the other level where recruiters, you know, they cast the hook in, into your mouth and they just slowly reel in. And we'll be back in just one moment. I know, because I used to do it. <laughs> it was easy. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. I mean, unless you're, and, and, you know, unless you're at the point where you're, you're a headhunted type of candidate, maybe you're a CEO bouncing between these high level, you know, there are certain positions where you could vouch for a retainment firm. But yes. I mean, we're talking 95% of the, of, the, of the population should be just using local staffing and recruiting firms or regional um, and, and let them do the work for you. I found every recruiting role through another recruiter. So back when I used to do that. Fabulous. Now, getting in through the back door. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you like that concept. Do you, do you have some suggestions to folks uh, how to get in through the back door? I think I think I have a couple strategies. I, I would say um, the one that seems most popular is using like a LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn is fascinating now with um, just how expansive it's gotten with in terms of decision makers in, in, out there. Um, I find a good technique is to take a company. Let's find target company number one. When you, and the more the merrier in your case. If you can do five target companies, even better. So take a target company. Um, where's the location? If it's you know near your house, even better. Now you have an actual spot you're trying to get into. Um, Go on the LinkedIn's of the world. I, I believe it's Rocket Rocket something or another has, uh, it's online on Google I use to find contact information. But there's plenty of spots out there that um, will offer it up for free if you can kind of navigate the search strings. Um, but they'll offer up co um, contacts information, emails and phone numbers. So look for a company, go on LinkedIn, search some people within that company that work at that facility and within your respected job, if you will, or, or department, um, and then utilize uh, maybe some cold emailing, hey, drop a line with some, one of the people that might 
be a good entrance into trying to find some decision makers there and drop them a cold email saying, Hey, do you mind if I give you a, get, get a virtual cup of coffee and, you know, just kind of pick your brain for a few minutes. I've got some skills I think might present well with what you have at your organization. And I've noticed some jobs opening online that I look like a decent fit for. Maybe you can introduce me to someone there. And a lot of times people are willing to kind of do some free help, whether they want to spend time with you on a call or maybe they'll just give you the information right away. But if you're cordial about it quick and maybe offering a, some sort of incentive to them, which would be another whole nother conversation. But, you know, again, it's always nice to be able to just not be takey. You want to give it to um, just like at networking events. Um, but um, and then use that backdoor way of through these companies to figure out a decision maker or maybe even a recruiter within that department that's online that can directly get you to the hire managers in that department. Um, again, LinkedIn, uh, indeed is going to be a little bit trickier. Um, but zoom info, there's a, I, I wish I could get the rocket one, <laughs> rocket something, but, um, there's a few out there, you know, I mean, there's information out there to be had. So. And folks, one of the things uh, Matt's talking about are Chrome extensions that will allow you to find email addresses and sometimes phone numbers for hiring managers that you identify. Right. And LinkedIn is more generous with information prior to a connection. So before you use these, take a first look to see if you have access to the email address or phone number of the person that you're trying to locate. And then look for Chrome extensions um, and just do a search for LinkedIn information. Uh, and there are at least a half a dozen I could think of, but I'm not up to date on them either uh, sure. to be able to quote these because some of them have come and gone. Some of them are better or worse than others right now. So look for these Chrome extensions so you can direct message them and not spend money on an in-mail. You can call them up and get to the hiring manager directly by phone, whatever it is. Just right. reach out to folks and don't just go in through the front door, the applicant exactly. tracking system. The back door is the direct connection with the decision maker or someone in the organization who can point you to the decision maker. Exactly. And not to confuse anyone, but one last little technique I've used personally to target HR managers for, for different programs. Um, let's say uh, the person's at abc.com uh, and you go online and you type in the word email space at abc.com then they're going to have a bunch of stuff come up skim through there someone somewhere online someone went to an event where they listed an email and you're going to find out that person was amy sue well the email at that company is amy.sue at abc.com oh okay that's easy enough so now the decision maker you find on linkedin uh pat smith now you can email Pat Smith because you know what his email should be, pat.smith at abc.com. So there's a little techniques that just, and then you're cold, you're just relying on the gods that be that the person has that email. Um, so do your diligence. If you can find more emails, better or up-to-date emails. But for what it's worth, these are little just techniques to, to get the information out there. Google's, Google's amazing with storing stuff, so. Yeah, and folks, sometimes if you're not connected to the person on LinkedIn, you can use Google because LinkedIn ranks very highly with Google. You can use Google to find the LinkedIn contact that you're looking for. So that in this way, the fact that you've got a small network and not one 
Now, I was LinkedIn member 7653 of the 650 million plus people on the platform. And I never connected with recruiters because I didn't want to help my competition. Because I always knew I had a bigger network than most of them had. So people come to me and look at that 25,000 plus first level connections. I know it maxes out at 30,000, but Folks, if you connect with me, linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game hunter and mention that you watch this show, I'd be happy to connect with you no matter where in the world you are. Because normally I don't accept connection requests outside the US. But if you mention this show, I will. <laughs> That's great. And you're right, Google, I've found people that are hidden on LinkedIn. If you go to Google, they don't hide them. So you click for some way you can get to their page on LinkedIn if you go through Google, but not through LinkedIn.com. It's so bizarre, but it, 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 it's the way it tracks them and puts them out there, I guess, however Google does it. But yeah, yeah you find hidden people too. And one of the things, folks, if you're doing this, this technique with Google, you also want to make sure you use the location convention yes. that LinkedIn uses. So for example, it might be Atlanta metro area or New York metro area, whatever it is on LinkedIn, you include that in the search as well, because otherwise you're gonna get the people in Moscow who happen to have the same name too. Exactly, exactly right, yep. The search, the, the search strings on LinkedIn, if you wanna get more familiarized with some of them, I know the um, uh, AIRS, I used to take, I took this air certification, which literally showed you how to use a Boolean search strings to filter your results from 2 billion down to 2 million, down to 200,000, down to 2,000. So the goal is to get less on your page of searches. So go on LinkedIn, or excuse me, go on Google, type in Boolean search ideas or Boolean search strings. Google will send you so much information about how to really hone your search down to this funnel so it's not so overwhelming. Hey, this is fun. I gotta ask you a question. What haven't I asked you about so far that we should cover for the audience? What makes sense that we haven't spoken about yet? Yeah, I mean, I think, I guess my final say, because today's theme was the resumes, um, is to be pragmatic with your thinking. If you're logical and you are writing your messaging, your resume, so the hire manager aren't crinkling their forehead when they're reading the darn thing, you've already halfway there. Now it's a matter of matching you up. So think logical and don't, let's not be playful. Let's not write this like a, you're, you're reading it off of your, your child's nighttime book. You know, Jane went to get the balloon. Be a little bit more thoughtful in what you're writing for your experience section. That's the meat and potatoes. And, and like we said earlier, think in terms of accomplishments. Rounding off or, and value, value too, accomplishments and value. Uh, but rounding off, I would say after your after your um, uh, summary, list of skills, and those are those buzzwords we were talking about earlier. Technical methodologies, business buzzwords are fine. You know, quality assurance, strategic planning, operations management. These are all ones we see all the time, um, and it's fine. You don't have to. You know, it's better to be a little bit different and try to think of some that are a little bit more unique. But some are just going to be what they are. Budgeting is always going to be budgeting, cost control. You know, so write it in there. If you're if you do budgeting, get it in there. Um, then under those um, skills, I like to have a little bit of accomplishment section, and that's kind of one that, or core competencies, that's going to be your real good stuff. And this, this is where you can get a little tricky. Say like you have a job at IBM from the 90s. You loved what you did there. It relates somewhat to what you've been doing and what you're going to be doing still, but you don't want a 1995 IBM. So you can either have that as a 
previous work history with just the title, company name, and dates. Sometimes we don't even keep the dates. Again, I can get crazy with science behind all this stuff. But anyway, then you can take some of the maybe two, three lines from there and put them in this accomplishments section up here. So now you're not losing some of the good stuff. It's also being televised pretty much right away when they're looking at it. And you're not boring them either with going back to 1995. So it's like, you know, little tricks like that. And then after the accomplishments, experience, round at home with your education, certification, affiliation stuff. And that's kind of my methodology of, of putting together. Everybody's a little different though. Again, IT people might have different sections. and you know, But uh, all in all, pragmatic. Don't make people wonder what the heck they're reading. This shouldn't be something confusing. It should be pretty uh, 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 seamless because it's you. It's your life, what you've been doing. And folks, pretend a six-year-old is going to read the resume. Could they figure out, if they looked at the job description and looked at the resume, would they see the info that they see, need to see in order to go, Mommy, Mommy, yeah. he's got it. He's got it. And, and it, make it easy. Everyone's busy. You don't want them to miss it. Make right. the fit obvious so that the six-year-old can spot it. And yep. that and folks, have you noticed he really likes doing this? It makes me crazy. I, he loves it. God bless. I wish I was a pro this, but I'll take <laughs> a resume writer. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you got to be realistic too, right? Right. Uh, folks, how can Matt find, uh, how can you find out more about Matt and the kind of work that he does? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my website is M, like Matt, JW Careers, MJWCareers.com. And my blog is job stickers, kind of like pot stickers, but jobstickers.com. I thought it was so clever 10 years ago. Um, I kept it though. <laughs> uh, so if you give me either of those spots, um, my LinkedIn, 680 plus recommendations, Google 100 plus, Facebook 100 plus. I, I, I like what I do and, and I've kind of got a nice science behind what I've been doing uh, to make sure that you get interviews and lead times for waiting between interviews are shorter. So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few more ways to get information and advice from me. First of all, visit my website, which is thebiggamehunter.us. Go to the blog. There's a lot there to help you. In addition, if you need interview advice, I've created a course called the Ultimate Job Interview Framework, available as a video on udemy.com. That's U-D-E-M-Y.com, or available as a paperback or for Kindle on Amazon, and will help you stand out in a great way on your interviews. Also, if you're interested in my coaching you, there's a button on the site that says schedule. Schedule time for a free discovery call or schedule yourself in for coaching. I will love to help you. I'm able to help with regard to interview preparation, leadership coaching, salary negotiation advice, making a good decision between different offers, anything related to improving yourself in the workplace. If you have questions for me, you can schedule 15 minutes with me at thebiggamehunter.us forward slash live, or an even less expensive way is at thebiggamehunter.us forward slash video answers, where you can leave a message for me and I'll respond with a three to five minute video. Please financially support the podcast by clicking the button below and pledging whatever you'd like. 
I really appreciate it. Finally, watch me on TV. Download the Job Search TV app for Fire TV, Fire Stick, or Roku, or BingeNetworks.tv for Apple TV and 90-plus smart TV platforms. I'll be back tomorrow with more. In the meantime, I hope you have a great day. Be great! Be great!